0: Hi, this is Pastor Steve Lance from Noble Assembly of God. Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that this message from God's Word will bless and enrich your life. This is a good day today. So glad that you are here in the house of the Lord. I can't think of a better place I'd rather be than right here this morning. Amen. Praise God. Our Sundays are better than Brahms, actually. Yes. This morning we are delighted to have Reverend Jacob and Valerie Castro with us. They are from Oklahoma originally, grew up here in the Sooner State attended the University of Oklahoma, and actually uh, met there, and then uh, uh, began the ministry that they have now with Chi Alpha. They interned there at the University of Oklahoma, and then three years ago, moved to Colorado State University in Fort Collins. And so they're uh, like 25, 26 years old, just starting out, and uh, we are so excited they're with us this morning and it's uh, Jacob's mom is actually here today and so glad that she came up here to see her son and so would you help me welcome the castos to noble assembly of God
1: hi thank you thank you for um, allowing us to be here today we're really excited um, I'm just gonna share a little bit about our current journey and then uh, Jacob's going to share um, the message this morning. Actually, if you're okay with that, but before we get into that, um, we're going to we have a short video, real quick. We just want to it helps really in- capture what it's like to minister at Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado. If we could play that video.
2: So here, people are interested in spirituality, but they think that. Um, you know, everybody's going to end up leading to the same place or talking about the same thing and so they'll, they'll eagerly, I think, engage those conversations, but once you start talking to them about uh, things like absolute truth and, and sin, then they have a major problem uh, talking with that and they don't really even know what to do about that in their life.
1: You know, society and like parents and like themselves, like they put so much pressure that they don't even know what life really is. Uh, To be honest and they don't understand how much purpose Jesus can bring and they don't understand the adventure that life can be. We understand
2: that the culture is basically confused about the truth and so we just go out there and unashamedly share with them what the Lord has done in our lives. And so we just try to be really bold about what we believe and really genuine about it not hiding anything and I think that tends to uh, break down people's walls and lets them know that these guys aren't just a bunch of people following rules and you know, they, they don't know what they're doing. These people actually uh, are living this stuff out in their regular lives, and this faith um, actually produces tangible results.
1: I had a conversation with some students, even just the other day, kind of along these lines, and it blew their minds like that they could be evangelists two people in their classes that they could make lifelong relationships you know by talking to somebody next to them and that you could literally change somebody's life by just striking up a conversation in a class. Yeah, so that's a little bit about um, kind of the background and the culture that we experience when we're at, in, up there in Colorado. We're actually in Fort Collins, Colorado and I tell people it's closer to Cheyenne, Wyoming than it is Denver. But we, uh, we travel to Denver more than we go to Cheyenne, so um, it's a good time. Uh, sorry. <laughs> we, uh, like like the pastor said, we um, originally came here to the University of Oklahoma and met in Chi Alpha as small group leaders there at the University of Oklahoma and served on staff there a year and then really felt like we needed to do this full time. and we needed to get some training. And so the training program at Colorado State University actually um, teaches us how to uh, create Chi Alphas on campuses that don't have them. And right now there's only four Chi Alphas in the state of Colorado. And just to give a comparison, here in Oklahoma there's 14 Chi Alphas. And so there's really a huge need there in the state of Colorado. And um, the students that we're reaching there on the campus don't really have a church background. Um, One student that Jacob has ministered with since we've moved to Colorado, um, came from a suburb of Denver, and didn't really have a f- full grasp or understanding of the gospel, and was looking for wisdom and truth, and was trying to find that in a lot of secular texts in a lot of different areas of his life. And then, um, you know, he encountered Jacob, and they became really good friends, and they just hung out together. Jacob took him to the dentist, to Walmart, you know, just was his friend, and Uh, Served him in any way he could and the guy ended up joining his small group and just began kind of listening to what Jacob had to say about God and um, One one really interesting thing is he realized um, after a few weeks of attending small group that uh, He he said that he asked Jacob you do you guys really you truly believe Jesus was the son of God Like that's not metaphorically you truly believe that and we're like yes like that. We believe that (laughs) And that just kind of blew his mind a little bit. And thankfully, um, this past March, after a lot of conversation and a lot of trips to the dentist in Walmart, um, the guy uh, gave his life to the Lord, and now is a Jesus follower. And um, it's just so cool to do that. I don't think without Jacob's patience and and just friendship with him, that he ever would have encountered the Lord like he did um, through Chi Alpha there at Colorado State. And not only that, um, we also encounter people, of course, who do come from the church church world. I have a girl in my small group this year that is from southeastern Colorado, and she grew up in the church but didn't really um, commit her life to the Lord while in in the church. And so she began coming to our small group and our large group services that we have on Thursday nights um, through Chi Alpha and began kind of seeing our lives and seeing how we live our life and really saw that um, she didn't have something that we had and knew that she wanted that. And so we had a fall retreat in September of this past year. And there was a message given about being born again. And what does it mean to be born again? And they gave a an call, an altar call, like, who of you in this room want to be born again? And she was like, I do. I've never done that, and I want to do that. And it was so cool, because that same, that same, at that same time, I had another girl in my small group also give her life to the Lord. And so at one retreat, at one message, I had two girls in my small group that I had met in August, give their life to the Lord in September. And then that next day I got to baptize them and that was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and and so this whole past year I've been able to um, walk with them through their relationship with the Lord and just um, grow their relationship with God in that. And so it's just really cool to experience that. And so a few things for you guys to be praying with us about um, is those students I've mentioned, the students that you see in the video, um, because a lot of them don't have hope they don't have a way to, where to, they don't know where to look. And so we're really trying to engage this campus that doesn't have any church background. majority of them don't. And um, show them the truth of Jesus and show them that he is real and valid in their life. And so if you can be praying with us for that, and um, also if you can be, just be praying for us, um ministering to these students can be some kind of hard sometimes. And um, we just continually re- rely on the Lord um, for that and um, rely on each other as well. So we have newsletters in the back if you want a copy of our newsletter. And we also have prayer cards. Um, so outside of this time, if you would like to pray for us in that, that would be wonderful as well. Do you want to share a little bit maybe about um, how we got involved in this?
3: <laughs> sure. Um, we One of the things we love about Chi Alpha is Chi Alpha um, believes it has a responsibility to not just the campus that they're at, but they teach students. We say every student gives, every student Uh, praise and every student eventually goes and whether that may be on a short-term missions trip to give them a taste or maybe uh, a little bit long term, they do uh, give students a perspective on missions and so through different experiences for Val and I we were given opportunities to go and practice our faith just outside of the University of Oklahoma campus and following that um, Val and I were both kind of invited to, you know, not very forcefully, but had some people that really cared about us that basically said, hey, you know, you guys seem to really love this. You know, it would be wise of you to at least pray about it. No pressure there, but we prayed about it and we really felt like this is where God was calling us um, and what we're supposed to be doing. And we love it, which is really great news. But uh, um, but we really think that, um, we're really encouraged that the college campuses in the U.S. are a place that desperately need Jesus and that we're where God Uh, would like us to be
1: yeah I guess uh, I forgot to share I'm sorry (laughs) about kind of how I got involved with Kai Alpha um, was when I actually grew up as of God and uh, when I was a teenager I was sitting right where you guys are at on a Sunday morning service hearing a missionary talk about bug night and how you should turn your lights off at bug night because if you don't all the bugs swarm your house and it kind of freaked me out hearing that and I was like oh my gosh but at the same time that like for something, something clicked in my heart and I felt like the Lord called me to ministry that morning just listening to a missionary um, talk about an experience she had in a in a foreign country and I just really felt the call to ministry then, but I kind of ignored it um, and up until I went to college and towards my senior year I really felt like the Lord um, put a calling on my heart and that calling was to disciple women and let them know their true identity in the Lord. And I felt like the best possible way to do that is through Chi Alpha and raising up a generation of leaders through Chi Alpha that can go out into the marketplace and um, in the world to uh, re- reach this, reach the U.S. and the world to for the Lord. So I just wanted to share that background a little bit about that, too. So I'm going to give it over to Jacob now, and he's going to share an awesome message.
3: <laughs> I hope it's awesome. My mom is here, and my stepdad is here, and I don't think they've heard me preach. So pray for peace. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm really glad they're here. Um, we're really glad to be here too. We're, we're just honored that um, you guys as a church would welcome us here. Um, we, we hope you understand we really do love what we do, and we love any opportunity to share it and have people join with us in prayer for it. Um, Something we usually show that we didn't quite is Colorado State University is about 35,000 people, undergrad. That's not even including graduate students and the like. And then um, for comparison, no is about 25,000. Our best guess and our staff, I think right before we moved there a couple years ago, put together an estimate that at their best guess, only 5% of that entire campus of 35,000 undergrads are connected to any kind of Christian community that's not knowing that's groups like ours that's churches like ours but at best five percent connected to anything and we don't even know within that five percent if they're really understanding who jesus is and truly following him um so the need is really great and as a result uh one of the things that we really have to strive for is um a strong sense of hope uh, which is kind of what i'd like to talk about a little bit today um i really think that this has been on my heart. I I wasn't sure if I was going to share this specifically. One of the things that I've been thinking about this idea for about the last, I don't know, two months, Um, I was listening to a podcast between two pastors, um, and I was really frustrated and led to pray because they were interviewing a pastor who um, was a little despondent about reaching out, and he was in a very urban, very hard setting, and I understand that, but he started to talk and he he actually told the pastor who was interviewing him, I've actually written off our generation, and it's our generation, it's mine and vows, to secularism and a lack of understanding. And my biggest hope right now is for my kids and our kids and the next generation to rise up. And I appreciate that he has hope for the next generation, but I, I was really bothered by this idea that, and I won't say the pastor's name, but I was really bothered by this person's understanding that he thought that our generation was maybe too far gone. And I I really think that as Christians, we have something of a duty to hope that I kind of hope we understand a little bit more about today. Um, In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, Paul is discussing this idea that someday when Jesus returned, Um, there's some things that are going to change. Some of our spiritual giftings may change and look different or maybe even cease. But he says that there's three things that are ultimately going to last forever. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. But we're not going to talk about love. Uh, I think that... Sometimes we prioritize talking about faith and love, and maybe rightfully so. I think that we understand as followers of Jesus that we need faith in order to be saved, um, and that love marks us as a disciple, and love is God's method for advancing his kingdom on earth. Um, But I think that we have this duty to hope just as much as these other two. um, And hope for not just, you're going to hear me refer a lot to hoping for campuses, hoping for students. But before I get really into um, the meat of, of what I'd like to share, I want to make it clear that this hope is not just for that. This hope is for the godly things in all of our lives. It might be the habit that you're looking to break. It might be the sin that you're looking to conquer. It might be not inward, but it might be outward. It might be for your family. It might be for the coworker who just moved in, who you know needs the Lord. But whatever that hope is for, I really do think we have a hope that we are supposed to have from Jesus Christ for those things. And not just a small hope, but a hope that hopes for big things. Um, I want to talk about first, I want to talk about why hope matters. Why is this important? Um, why is it a duty? I am... Uh, gradually becoming convinced when we talk about saving faith, we need to have a conversation about hope. We realize, as followers of Jesus, it's by faith we are saved, but I really believe that the Bible talks about faith being tied hand-in-hand with what we are hoping for. In Hebrews 11.1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. After reaching out to college students for about the last three years, uh, it is not unusual for us to feel a little bit discouraged. Um, the gentleman I got to see make the decision to follow Christ in March of this year, I met in August 2017 when we first moved there. Like Val said, it was a lot of trips to the dentist, a lot of cups of coffee, um, a lot of small group discussions with him before he finally started to really understand that he couldn't do it on his own any longer. Um, and it's not. For credit of my perseverance, but credit of the hope that Christ has given me that I was able to have the patience to reach out and persevere to see that come to fruition. Um, One illustration we use among our staff that I think is really helpful with this is this idea of three brick layers, if you want to go to that first picture. We have three bricklayers and what they do is they work together and they lay bricks and they build buildings and they do these construction projects. And um, What they hope for affects them greatly. You have the first bricklayer who, when he comes home, he will complain frequently about how hot it is, uh, how heavy the bricks are, how little he is being paid, and uh, it's very frustrating. But if you ask him what he's working on lately, he'll just say, I just lay bricks that's it. I just hope at the end of the day I've laid enough bricks so I can receive my paycheck and go home. And let's be honest that's not exactly the most uh, hopeful paradigm to have. Uh, Then you have a second one who might understand a little bit more about the project and might keep that a little bit more in his mind's eye and in his heart. And When you ask him what he's doing he might actually tell you, he says actually we're I'm really excited right now we're building a church. And that's a little bit better. It might encourage him a little bit more. He might understand this finished product. He might appreciate the beauty of the blueprints and have in his mind's eye um, the artistry of the finished product. But even that's maybe not as hopeful as he could be. But what you have is the third bricklayer who, when you ask him what he's working on, when he's moving the heavy bricks, when he gets there early, stays late, is excited to go to work the next day. When you ask him what he's working on, he says, I'm building a house of worship unto my Lord where people will come to know him and interact with him for the first time, where they'll receive hope and life change that they desperately need. Something kind of like this building here, maybe. That's um, a church here in Fort Collins that has been there for many years. But what we realize is that I think when we think about hope, we frequently are the bricklayer who's just hoping to lay enough bricks to get through the day and end his shift. And I think that God, if we're looking to... Um, hope for God-sized things in our lives, things like life change for us to conquer the sin that we need to conquer, um, the habits we'd like to break to be able to trust him more. We need to hope for that in a scale that um, matters. And we, when we look back at that Hebrews verse, we realize that faith is correlated with our hope. It's tied to it. If we only hope for so, little, so many little things, our faith may not really ever really exceed that. So what we get at is that hope is instrumental if we're talking about a faith that's actually going to save us. And or for that matter even for Valerie and I and for you too on a larger scale save others. But it also doesn't do us any good unless we evaluate also what hope is. Um, This is something Val knows, uh, Valerie is my wife if you hear me say Val, that's her. Um, Val knows I'm really passionate about is what words mean. Um, I think that um, in the church, uh, I think it can be really helpful sometimes, but I think sometimes we will say words so often sometimes they kind of maybe lose a little bit of their meaning or we just know the right time to say them and don't think about it. I think faith is one of those words. I love to talk to students about what faith means um, because I think sometimes they think it's this urgent feeling they have in their gut, like, oh, I'm feeling faithful, you know, and it's like, listen, we need to talk. Um, I want to pray for you about this because... Um, faith is so much more than just a feeling. And love is the same way. We, when we talk about this First Corinthians 13 verse, this is the same thing, where we think that love is this f- feeling that comes and goes with us, but it's not. And I really believe hope is something very similar to this, where some days we may be feeling hopeful. And this is the difference between hope, uh, I think this is critical today because I think this is the difference between hope being optimism. Um, some of you may be hearing me say this word a lot and think, "Ah, oh, he's just really optimistic. It's not. I, this is the difference between making this more than optimism and making this into something that God wants us to weave into our character. In Hebrews 11:1, again, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And that word with the funky letters is not a computer error. It is a Greek word. Um, and I may or may not say it right. Elpis or el piso in that particular verse. And what you get at with this word is something really interesting. It's a word in the New Testament. You see it used a lot for hope. But it's not hope in this idea uh, of longing or wishing. You actually see those words um, used more frequently in the Old Testament, this idea that there's a longing or a tension for what we don't have. Um, You know, in fact, one of the words is even, I think sometimes used to, if you were to like stretch a cord out in the Old Testament, but this word is something else, because what this word is tied into is tied into the idea of hoping for salvation and hoping um, for Jesus to move. And what we realize is when we talk about this idea of hope, we've talked about why it matters, we talked about how we need it to accomplish the things and see the things happen that uh, we would like to see God do. But we also what we realize here is that that hope is tied intrinsically to who God is. I think that um, I think that when we talk about this, I, I think that this is what makes it more than optimism. I think that, um, frankly, I'm kind of a realistic person. <laughs> I I and I am the first to how a project or an idea to death. Um, my wife. This drives her crazy. We were talking about rearranging bedroom furniture yesterday. I'm like, oh, how are we going to do that? Like, I don't know if that's going to work, if that's going to be enough room. I'm the first to do that. Um, but, and, and to be honest, people who are very upbeat kind of tire me out a little bit. But what we realize is that that doesn't mean I'm not hopeful, but what that means is, is that I'm able to have hope in Jesus Christ himself and realizing where that comes from. I think moving bedroom furniture may have struck a chord with somebody. Uh, but... <laughs> Um, I'm seeing some people lean over. Hey, we gotta do that. Um, And what's great is too is that this also protects me from two things. This protects me from my own realism. This protects me from by having putting my hope first in Jesus Christ protects me from my realism and protects me from again howing something to death. Well, how are we going to pay for that? How are we going to do that? Where are we going to find the time? Who's going to help us? All this and that. What it does is it puts it directly in the hands of Jesus Christ, who and I'll talk about um, how we can receive hope more in a minute, but uh, it is eternal and unchanging, and I think that um, it puts it beyond it. It also protects me from uh, the opposite, is not just you know, realism or pessimism, but it also protects me from my own ability and pride. Um, I am very thankful that I believe that God has done certain things to prepare me for my role in ministry, and looking back, I can see those a lot more clearly. Um, and I'm really thankful for them. I, he's put me in situations where I've had to speak. Um, he's put me in situations where I've had to think about how I think and um, process my beliefs in a way that um, I can explain them to others in a clear manner. And I'm really thankful for those, but I don't know if relying on those and saying, this I am able to do this because of who I am is necessarily honoring to God. And what we realize is that if we... Take this idea of hope and, again, put it in the hands of Jesus. It protects us from our own ability. Um, If we're hoping for something heavenly, it does us no good to be hoping in the earthly. I think that um, even in ministry, sometimes this can creep in where it's like, well, we know I have the ability to do this. And sure, God has prepared me for these things, but what we have to realize is that I have the ability to do this, but what I really have is a God, the king of the universe, who's at my back and is with me. And when we do that, we, again, hope becomes not just optimism, it becomes something real and concrete. Um, and eventually, when we do that, those laying bricks start, start to look a lot less like just laying bricks. It starts to look a lot more like building something eternal. Um, I really think that for many of us here today, I think we walk a um, very fine line. Um, because again, some of us, when we, when we talk about these things, when we talk about making things more spiritual, when we talk about our faith and our hope and love coming from the Lord, um, I think it can be very easy sometimes to take a step back and say, all I need to do is pray about things. And I'm gonna talk a lot more about prayer here in a minute. But I would like to encourage some of you as I talk about this, as I talk about hoping for the heavenly things to start to look at the, your lives around you. As you drive home today, pray over your neighbor's house and pray about what conversations you can have with them today. Pray about your coworker that um, maybe it's the kind of thing I really admire. One of the things we found out um, Valerie's dad does is he will take a walk with the same coworker about two or three times a day and they have conversations every day, two or three times for about five or ten minutes each. I would wager they get into some important things. And so as we talk about this, I, I really feel like this is one of the things I would ask of any church I would speak at is as we pray about these things, as we think about hope, start hoping for the things around you. And start asking yourselves, now, if I have this hope, where can I start to take a plunge? Where can I start to step out? Where can I jump off a cliff and invite that coworker to dinner and just ask him straight up? You don't need to be talented. I would discourage thinking too much into a pitch, but just maybe over lunch break, maybe over inviting those neighbors to dinner. Hey, what do you really think about Jesus? Wherever you think they're at, just take that step out and see what happens. And it may be messy, but if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly at first. I do mean that. Um, And I don't think you'll do poorly. I think you'll do quite well. Because again, you have the king of the universe at your back. And even if it looks messy, because life is, I think that he'll move in that. So as we talk about hope and as you start to receive this and as you start to pray for it i would ask that you do something with it Um, i think that if the earth is approximately have a third of us are christian and we all took the time to just reach out to somebody and really ask them what it means i think that we would really really see a lot of the things that we're hoping for in this country really start to get advanced um, that's a little bit of a tangent, but like I said, I ask it of any church um, because I really think that um, more than what may happen on a Sunday morning, uh, what happens over a cup of coffee could really change somebody's life, and I've seen that, and I think that that's available to you too if you're willing to take a step out and really put that hope, not just make it optimism. When you hope for your coworkers, fellow students, whatever, um, put it in the hands of God that you might see that. Um, So we've talked about why we need hope. We need it for the bigger picture to see um, God move in the things that we'd like like him to move in. And we've talked about what it is. But I feel like it would be irresponsible if we didn't talk about why we can have that hope in the first place and give you guys some reasons for hope. Um, One of the other things I'm becoming more and more convinced of as I work with students, as I explain to them who Jesus is, is that everything comes back eventually to God's character and not just the elements of God not just what he's done but literally who he is and how he acts and deals with us on a regular basis and so um, to be honest I could spend about two hours talking about this but um, I think at that point um, somebody would yank me off Uh, so I'm just going to name a few Um, but I think they're really crucial. And if you're struggling with hope, this is the biggest thing I'd like you to leave here with, is understanding more about who God is and praying over this and receiving this into your life so you can have that hope. Because again, what hope really is, is it stems from who Jesus is and that hope of salvation. We're not hoping for something good. What we're hoping for is someone. We're hoping for Jesus Christ. So as we talk about these reasons for hope, remember, this is what this is about. If you're struggling with this, this is where it comes from. The first reason for hope is God deeply desires for people to know Him and to be saved. I am um, praying over this right now. I have a couple students that um, let's call them let's call them um, uh, flaky. Uh, <laughs> they're, they they struggle to respond, and I don't think it's done out of disdain or um, for me or disdain for what I believe. I, I just think that's part of who they are and growing up, they're 18 years old, and I'm willing to have grace and forgiveness for that, but um, I think that uh, what I'm dealing with is if somebody really doesn't seem to be wanting Jesus, if somebody really doesn't seem to be wanting, you know, an idea of truth, you know, if you've read, heard the video, that's what we deal a lot with is people who struggle with an idea that, oh, there's really a truth out there, and I have to deal with it. I struggle with and I'm praying over the students that are dealing with that because what I what I have to wrestle with is do I let this person go or do I keep fighting for them and where I'm lean more and more that if I'm following God that I have to keep fighting even if it doesn't make sense on paper Uh, even if it doesn't make sense based on the behavior I'm seeing even if it doesn't make sense Uh, Based on their attitude toward me or their level of responsibility that they are um, That I need to keep pursuing them and fighting for them In first Timothy 2 1 through 4 um, Paul says this I urge then first of all that petitions prayers intercession and Thanksgiving be made for all people For kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness This is good and it pleases God our Savior Who wants all people to be saved? and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And like I said, I, if I'm honest, I'm still praying over this. We're, we're entering into our third year at Colorado State University. And if I have a connection with somebody, I have to keep up hope for them. And I have to keep hoping that if I'm following Jesus, that he cares about them passionately enough for me to keep fighting. Um, and that as hard as it is to schedule a cup of coffee, to invite them to retreat, to bring them to small group, um, to get them to some other event, uh, that as hard as that is, I have to hold out hope that God really does want them saved. And moreover, on a personal level, that I need to drop my pride because I may be being frustrated when they don't respond to a phone call, but I haven't died for them yet. Christ has. So like I said, this is convicting for me, but if you're holding, if you need hope, for those coworkers, for those neighbors, for those people in Noble, Oklahoma, and Norman, Oklahoma, and in the United States, know that part of God's character is that he wants people to know him. John Calvin also said this, um, our prayer must not be self-centered. It must not arise only because we feel it, our own need is a burden we must lay upon God. But also because we are so bound up in love for our fellow man that we must feel their need as acutely as our own. to make intercession for men is the most powerful and practical way in which we can express our love for them. And because God cares for all of us in season, and disease, uh, and because God cares for all of us and wants to see all of us know Him, we also have to remember that, because of that, God is being exceedingly patient with us. I think that for the body of Christ to grow, for us to bring people into relationship with Jesus for the first time, we're going to need God's attitude of patience. I think, like I said, oftentimes we start to look for certain indicators, um, and I have been guilty very much sometimes of saying, I just don't know if that person would be interested in Jesus. I don't know if that person really would, might, uh, really want to even consider coming to church. But what I have to realize is, is that if God is patient with me then I need to be patient with whatever personalities I may encounter um, Romans 5 6 through 8 says this you see just at the right time while we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die but God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners Christ died for us And so what we realize then, and I also think this is a moment where we can look inwardly as well. If there's things that you're hoping for, um, that you're working toward in your relationship with God, I just want to encourage you that God is patient with us. And I say that, again, preempted, that we need to have patience with other people as well. But I, I think we should take encouragement that if we know that there's a gap between where God wants us to be and where we are, that God is patient with us i really think that's amazing we talk about god's love for us and how he sent his son to die frequently but the idea that god is waiting with love for us to be able to do what we need to do i think is amazing and it doesn't mean we should slack off i'm not getting into that but what i do think it means is we should be encouraged that as though we might stumble as though we might uh, strive and work that god's with us and god's going to wait but again I, i i would ask as we think about Noble, as you guys think about the University of Oklahoma, which is right over there, as you guys think about us on the Colorado State campus, to be patient with all of the student body as you pray. Don't pray over a specific type of person. If you feel a burden, I think that's wonderful, but I think that frequently we are working and praying for people that, again, it doesn't make sense on paper to be reaching out to this person, but that's who God wants. And so, help us pray for us to be patient pray for patience for yourself pray for patience as you reach out to those around you um the last um, reason i really believe we have hope is god offers us his presence Um, i don't have any scripture for this to be honest i i think there was too much for me to process but i think that um, one of the things that we always bring up to students that i think for a lot of students is a really unique idea for them to wrap their head around and even as a follower of Christ that grew up in the church for me this is something that I still am overwhelmed by is this idea that God is literally with us and in us and I think that it's something that makes Jesus and the Holy Spirit very unique and I think it's something we need to lean into that God experiences things with us that he understands our pain and our conflicts and Um, how frustrating things may be and how hard things genuinely are sometimes and I think that um, frequently sometimes we go to God as though he's in the dark and I think that he does love our prayers but we need to pray God you understand this and I know that you want more and I know that you're hoping for more with me and I think that um, again this is something that if you if you need something to study or pray about or wrestle with uh, consider his presence and the idea that he's with you. It's something that I think um, is truly amazing and I couldn't do what I do if it weren't for God being with me and alongside me. Um, I have a few closing thoughts and then I think I'm gonna hand it to Pastor to um, lead us in a response. Um, Here's what I would ask you guys to think about is um, if you are cautious to hope um, for people cautious to hope for noble oklahoma norman oklahoma oklahoma the united states if you're cautious to hope i would ask you to consider what witness does that give god if our hope is an input to our faith uh, like we were discussed by the beginning it begins to be where our faith can't possibly exceed that and if we're going to see the things that see god move where we want to see it we need to increase our hope to, and Thereby increase our faith. Um, The other thing is if we are cautious to hope, I would ask you to consider what that means for your own life and consider what that means for the things that you would like to see God do in your life. Again, we can hope at the end of the day that, you know, maybe we just want to make it through the day. And I think that if you're in that spot, I would encourage you to pray about this, that God wants us to hope for big things. And this is where I, I... come in to this where I can hope at the end of a cup of coffee with um, a student that we had a good time, that maybe I left him with something interesting to think about, or that I can hope that at the end of the day that he might be saved, not this year or not next year, not after he graduates, not that he would have something to think about that grows into salvation, but that this year, this month, this week might be the week where he knows the Lord. And I think that um, we really have to evaluate our level of hope for these reasons. So, Pastor, if you'll come. Thank you guys so much for having us. We really appreciate it.
0: Amen. Musicians, would you come? We're gonna receive an offering for the Castos, and so uh, um, we appreciate your being people of faith people of hope people of love people that uh, recognize that the church has a responsibility to be a light and to win the lost I'm so thankful that somebody reached out to me aren't you somebody shared the message with you you're here this morning because somebody talked to you about the Lord somebody pointed you in the right direction, and I'm glad for Jacob and Valerie that the Lord has placed them at Colorado State University to be a light, to be salt, to point some people in the right direction. And uh, eternity is going to show what, uh, what all happened that maybe we don't see this side. Even the money that we give on a monthly basis or at offerings like this, we don't always right away see the, the benefits and the results of that. But how many of you know God does awesome things that behind our backs and we don't see? And heaven will reveal one day what all uh, happened. And so we want to receive a love offering for them. If you're making out a check, just make it out to the church, put it in the envelope, put on their casto, C-A-S-T-O. And uh, we will make sure that they get every, every dime. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for Jacob and Valerie and the ministry you've placed upon their lives, Lord, there in Colorado. We pray, Father God, that you would help us to stand with them, not only with uh, our prayers and financially, but just in encouraging them. And we just, we pray over them right now. We just pray over them and their family. We pray, Father God, that you would just continue to guide their steps. We thank you for the anointing. We pray for many more uh, divine opportunities to touch lives there in Colorado and and that, that people's lives are changed Whole families and generations are changed because of one person, like a domino effect. We thank you, Lord, uh, that you do that kind of thing. And we have that hope. Lord, there is nobody or, or no situation that is beyond hope. And we just give you praise because you can do all things. And we believe that today, Lord. So we ask you just to bless this offering. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.